Hey, you're listening to Layers of Design podcast. I'm Ebehi and I'm your host. As always, we appreciate you taking out of your day to listen to our episodes. I'm glad I got the opportunity to record this episode because it gives insights to different perspectives on being a Black African in the United States. I'm humbled to have an interesting conversation with Melissa R. Daniel, who is an architectural designer in Maryland. With over nine years of experience in the architecture industry, she plays an active role in the design community and has necessary conversations through her podcast, Arc is Poly. In this episode, we discuss the differences between being a Nigerian moving to the United States and being an African-American born in the United States. We also talk about the importance of having Black design mentors in different communities. It was a pleasure speaking with Melissa. She's encouraging, open to sharing her experiences in order to build designers up, and she inspires me to keep pushing towards my goals. Well, I hope everyone is learning and still supporting Black lives. Enjoy. My name is Melissa Daniel, uh, Melissa R. Daniel. I started a podcast called Architecture is Political. I did that because, well, long story short, uh, a couple of friends from uh, my previous job, we always talked about politics. We we were, were a diverse group and we just talked about current events, we talked about architecture, we just... And I really appreciate our conversations to this day. Like we were still, you know, on, um, we still message each other all the time. So uh, I was like, hey, you know, maybe we should start a podcast together because our conversations would, would really change people's lives. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we did one episode. No, we did one intro and it was like five minutes long. And then we all like quit our jobs and we just spread out in life in different states. And it was really hard to get everybody together. Really, really hard. And I already bought the domain name. I already bought all this stuff. And I was sitting on it for like a year. And then I was, I love podcasts. Like I, I listen to lots and lots of podcasts, especially like architectural podcasts. And it kind of bothered me sometimes of the discussions that I want them to have. Mm-hmm. or the guests that I want them to bring on, but it never happened. I even suggested, like, hey, you know, I can come on there and we can talk about blah, blah, blah. And they were like, no. So oh, I was, well, they didn't say no. They just <laughs> never responded to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I was like, well, let me do it. Let me start this podcast. I already got a domain name. I already got a website. And, and I know people. Uh, I have lots to say. And let me just do it. So I just jumped in and did it. I bought a... A Yeti microphone that was on sale at Best Buy for like $89. Uh, I have a MacBook, so GarageBand was already on there. I didn't have to buy any software. And I just I just did it. And been going since the beginning, no, mid-January. So you so just started. I just started. Oh, that's awesome. Well, my name is Ebehi Jerry. Originally see, from- Wait, the- wait, wait, wait. You said that super fast. <laughs> you have to, for for us Americans who oh. are not used to African names, you yeah. need to slow that down a little bit. I all, you know, what? I always say my name really fast, and people always tell me to, you know, go back. But um, okay, my name is Ebehi Ijewere, 
I'm originally from Lagos, Nigeria. I moved to Miami for school to study architecture. And um, after graduating with my master's in 2016, it was really challenging being an international student and looking for a job and um, just going through the motions of being a college grad and just trying to figure out what, what was going on. So I would look online all the time to find similar experiences or people that you know, have been through the same thing just to kind of lean on their stories and just know it's going to be okay. But I never really found stories that were like mine per se. So that bothered me a lot. And I started thinking of starting a podcast, you know, getting my experiences out there, my voices out there. But I never actually acted on it till 2019, which was last year, January. And um, my husband pushed me in a closet and was like, you're going to record your first episode today. <laughs> and, that's it. and he was like, you're going, no matter how long it takes, but we're going to record the first episode until we get it right. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. And I remember it took so many takes. I think I did like 10 takes because I was like, my voice sounds so weird. I don't know what I'm doing. But that's how Layers of Design was born. And I realized that I really enjoyed talking to other people about their design experiences because everyone has a different story. Everybody has a different experience and we all see life differently. So, yeah, I started bringing guests on and I really enjoy talking to designers and creators. Okay, so so why are you, what got you into architecture? Like, why are you passionate about architecture or design? In light of the, 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 the current climate we are in, mm-hmm. I thought that architecture can save the world. I mm-hmm. thought that architecture would make bad places better. So I grew up in the projects and I thought that if it was just designed better, then people would not live this way. Mm-hmm. So luckily living in Chocolate City, I was exposed to Black architects. I was the majority growing up, up until I hit college. So I never thought how different, the mind, the, the concept of what I had in my mind with architecture is completely different from reality. And so, why am I still here? I think it's because the foundation was laid for me. So wow. if I hadn't had that experience of working in a Black architecture firm, of having plethora of Black and Brown mentors, I would have left this profession a long time ago. And it, they, they really built a solid foundation for me. And, and I, I never thought that there were people out there, Black and Brown folks, who have never seen an architect of their color, never seen an architect of their gender, never seen a Black architect at all in their life. Never had a Black architect, never had a Black architect professor, hmm. never had a Black teacher, and that's just in general, you know? So I, I was blown away by that too. Um, and that's another reason why I'm still here. Like somebody told me I was a mentor Oh. <laughs> I, never, I was like really me and so it it really it it it, it, it yeah that's why I'm here 
Oh, wow. I think that question is very important, honestly. Like, why why am I still here? In the why profession? are we torturing ourselves still? Honestly, I think lately I've been asking myself that all the time or, like, really frequently because it's so hard. The profession, the profession is so challenging. And, like, I feel before we see the rewards, it takes so much. Mm-hmm. And we're battling with, from my experience, it's battling with not only trying to get on the projects that you're passionate about, but it's like either work environments or just, I don't know, just trying to learn the skills alone in the profession because the programs are hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, I think it's a very important question that architects really need to ask themselves constantly just for our sanity almost. Well, I got started in architecture because I really wanted to change the community. And then apart from changing the community, I'm really, really drawn to helping underserved communities. And I believe that good design can change a community, right? And can change the way people perceive their own community. So I started thinking of ways I could help out my country and the way that I would love to help it out is through architecture, through, you know, beautiful designs. Um, so, I mean, currently I'm actually researching a lot on humanitarian architecture because that's, that's what I want to do. And that's what my passion is at the moment. And I'm just going with it. So I had, a, so one thing I brought up um, on my previous podcast, and this is kind of go back to our previous conversation. And I'll just tell you a quick story. So um, I was working at a firm, a -hmm. white firm, and I was like the only black female there. And then uh, they ended up hiring this, um, an African woman. So she's from the Eastern side of Africa. And I had made a comment about Africans and African-Americans perceive discrimination differently mm-hmm. is that an accurate statement knowing that you represent the entire continent of africa <laughs> <laughs> i mean right <laughs> for real <laughs> for real but um okay so you know i'm very happy you brought that up honestly because i've been meaning to have this conversation i mean i've talked about this a lot with my nigerian friends and especially you know this everything that we're fighting for right now Um, I also had to take a step back and educate myself on everything that's going on because I didn't, I grew up in a majority black country, right? Nigerians were, were all black. So I never struggled with like racial discrimination growing up. So coming here, that was, that was something I realized like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is real. Like, you know, people are racist in this day and age. But I read this article and it was, is, it was titled Why I'm No Longer Talking to Nigerians About Race by Panache Chigumadzi. And honestly, that article kind of gave me a sense of, I guess it, it put my thoughts where, like in the right place. It helped me figure out my thoughts because my whole time I'm like, okay, So I understand that I'm a black woman in America and I have experienced racial injustices, but I found it very difficult to fully relate with the struggles because I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up here. So a part of me is like, okay, but listen, you need to be careful because you're black in America, 
But the other part is like, oh, but how does it really affect me? You know, because in my head, I'm like, I'm African, like I'm African, like this, this struggle is almost like it's not my struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through, um, I, of course I had to, so in a way, honestly, I would say that I was ignorant to the situation that was going on with black lives here, but I had to take a step back and really educate myself because I mean, they don't care where you're from at the end of the day is that you are black and that's all they care about. Right. Mm-hmm. And one thing from the article that I learned was that a lot of people coming from like Western Africa, they tend to say, and I've, I'm also guilty, I've, I've probably said this like a bunch of times way back, that when they came into America, that was the first time that they noticed that they realized that they were black. And she, ex- she broke it down and explained, of course, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the whole right, right. But um, just saying that alone actually hurts us because you've always been black, you know. So just using that terminology, like this is the first time I realized I'm black, is that you're even completely disassociating yourself with a group of people who look and are treated just like, you know, just like you are. And, um, you know, so she was explaining how Nigerians have a privilege that we were privileged enough to be raised in a community that we didn't have any racial injustices. We're privileged enough that, you know, we were given good education, like good education wasn't held back from us because of our because of the color of our skin. And, you know, coming here and I got that a lot. I've I've gotten this comment so many times, especially when I first got to the States that, oh, you're like the good black, like, oh, you're not like the other black women or stuff like that. And for me, I was just like, that's a strange comment, but I I don't really understand it. So I never really spoke on it. But Lord knows if someone tells me that now, my reaction (laughs) will be completely different. (laughs) But um, so it was just little things like that, you know, and literally had people ask me like, oh, would you get offended, you know, if I call you the N-word? And I'm like, no, like, do people get offended Did for that? Did somebody actually, actually oh, ask you that yeah. question? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. wait, were they, wait, were they black or were they white? They were Hispanic. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, so when I first got here, I was like, I mean, because we don't use that at home. It's wait, the- isn't black <laughs> in Spanish mean something similar to that word? Yes, yes. It's, 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 it's not right. No one, no one should, we, I shouldn't have had that conversation. That conversation just shouldn't have been had. But I remember like responding in a way like, sure, what's wrong with that word? Like why, yeah. you know, but now it's <laughs> <because laughs> obviously been completely different. But so it was just those little, th- little things that, and my friends and I, we talk about this very often is that we're here. And we understand that we're black and, you know, even my friends that have dated African-American men and stuff like that, we always talk about how there's a disconnect because we don't fully, we can't fully understand the struggles of, you know, being brought up as a black child in America and going through everything your whole life. Mm -hmm. So it's something that for sure, I would say that every black African should take their time to educate themselves because at the end of the day, this is our struggle too, and it's our fight too. And another thing that she pointed in the article was that just because you can't, you don't understand a situation doesn't mean that you can't have any 
empathy for that situation, you know? So she was like, just by us not educating ourselves and just being aware and standing up for Black Americans, that's us making it okay for these things to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually quite complex because it's like a weird feeling that I've been home, I've been away from home for so long. So sometimes I feel like I don't really almost like belong at home just because, you know, things are different. But then I'm here and I feel like I don't <laughs> belong here because this isn't home. But it's just something that I've been educating myself about and I'm able to really understand and empathize with Black Americans. So how, because I would think that uh, African countries, mm-hmm. especially on the Western side, would feel the pain of colonialism, you know? Like, when did when did Nigeria become independent from Britain? Like, that type of thing, you know? Yeah, that's like, a, that's a question I'm even still trying to unpack myself. So Nigerians, we really welcome the Western culture, right? Which it's all great. It's all dandy. And we don't, we don't feel, or we're not taught that oppression. Like I don't remember or recall a history class where they taught me about that oppression. So, so they taught us, oh yeah, we were freed at this time, you know, from the British, but then that's it. We move on to other subjects. We, where the, our education system is really heavily focused on getting into the best schools abroad in the Western countries. So we're, you know, we're brought up with, okay, you know, you, you understand your culture, you understand where you're from, but at the same time, you need to strive to get into schools that are in Western countries because then you're more respected like that. So I think it's a lack of, education honestly and i think our government is failing us in that aspect because we're not taught like the full history so a lot of kids grew up not knowing what happened so they can't associate with that they can't relate with that so i i think it's a big problem because then they send us off to europe or to the states and we're like okay (laughs) what are we supposed to do with all of this you know Mm -hmm. that's interesting though because this, you know, relating back to architecture, mm-hmm. right? We are taught that the whole continent is a big, you know, all of the structures, all of everything is this vernacular. It's not to mm-hmm. say that it's huts, mud huts or whatever, but you're not taught that Legos has skyscrapers. Do you understand what I mean? I that know you guys that. have infrastructure, that you guys have apartment buildings, that you guys have offices mm-hmm. and you know what I mean like you, we're not we don't see those things and then they nobody knows who built it the architect there who knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um it's interesting for you to say that because I, I I think of that too like how come like what you mentioned earlier about you you coming here to get an education and then hopefully one day you go back home and you be this great architect. But then I'm like thinking, why you were already a great architect living at home. Like, I, I don't, I, it's, and me, right, um, we were never really taught anything. Like, it's just, like, even, 
like I, I started to get upset when I see articles that just say Africa in it. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, Africa has yeah. like 50 plus countries with different everything, you mm-hmm. know, different dialect, different everything, different languages. Can you just tell me the country? I am not that ignorant, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Sudan and uh, Niger are two completely different countries. Kenya to South Africa. Like, two completely different different countries. (laughs) Just say the name. Honestly, I think that's just a way of them putting us down. Because I don't think the Western world has fully accepted the fact that Africans we think for ourselves that we're strong, that we understand what is going on. I don't think they've accepted that fact. And honestly, I would say it's, we have, we like, okay, I'll speak for Nigeria, right? I think not even we as Nigerians, honestly, our government has a role to play in that because the way they they carry themselves is not representative of a government that wants to sit at the same table as governments in the west in western countries so the way they don't even pay attention to the citizens rights or they don't care for the health care of the citizens or just some basic infrastructure they have a huge role in, to play in that because then other governments they don't respect us so mm-hmm. then that just you know just keeps trickling down and then the citizens don't get respected and I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's all media, right? That's trying to control the narrative. But Nigeria is thriving. Like Lagos is one of the, we're really thriving in Lagos from architecture yeah. to just everything. We're not, of course, we're not where we could be, but the government has a huge role to play in that as well, mm-hmm. because there are so many talented citizens. There are so many people that have sacrificed everything to go abroad to study because the education system at home is not the best and then they go back home and they try to implement what they've studied but then it becomes so hard because the government gets in in on it because they're like oh so you guys want to improve the country like that means you have to go through so many hoops and then that becomes a problem because these citizens can some citizens it's harder for them to really flourish like with their business or different things that they're trying to do but yeah, we're not recognized enough. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're really not. And another thing that really bothers me is I feel that in architecture, like, or even in other organizations, like faith-based organizations, they're, you know, you, you want to go to Africa to mm. build a school mm. or to build a church mm. or to dig a well. Your it's kind of like this white savior almost, yes. you know? Yes, that bothers me a lot, too. And, like, in the conversation that we're having before, where I was telling you how, you know, I really wanted to get into one of these organizations to participate and build a school in, you know, in Nigeria or in Kenya. And all these organizations are overpopulated with white people. Now, I'm not saying that's terrible. Like, of course, white people are welcome to help out, too. But then it it made me start questioning what happened to all the Black people. So you're telling me that you couldn't find any Black person that Mm -hmm. was interested in going to Africa to help out. 
You know what I mean? So that really makes me upset and I I am going I'm going to do something about it. Like I'm planning on doing something about it, even if it's creating my own organization that, you know, starts going over there to help. Because through my whole research, I came across this article where this African-American lady, she had gone to, I think it was Kenya or Tanzania to help out. And all of the kids were surprised to see that she was with the white people because they couldn't see, they hadn't seen any black person before. It was only white people that had come to their, you know, to their area to help. And I was really hurt because I was like, these young black children are growing up with a mentality that white people are better because white people are the only ones that are coming to give them good schools, to give them all of this. And by the time they grow up with that mentality, imagine if one of them gets a scholarship. They're not, their mentality is completely um, different because once they get a scholarship to go to school, they don't have role models. Imagine how their, their image and the idea of the world is. They're not looking up to black people at that point. Mm -hmm. They're looking up to white people. And I feel like it's this, it it needs to be changed. It needs to be fixed. I I don't know how, but I'm going to do something about it. I have to. I'm not, I'm not saying like you said, like, I'm not saying that, you know, that white people are bad or white people are, um, you know, that they aren't open to a more diverse network. It's just, I just want them to understand the impression that they are giving to, to the Africans and African-American community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's this white savior view. Yeah. Not, not, not so much intentionally, but in the eyes of people like me, you're right. We tend to not look upon ourselves images of ourselves as helping ourselves Mm -hmm. or having others help us that look like us yeah well that's because that's all we've seen honestly like that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of kids see that's what a lot of people see yeah but this conversation and you know how we are Mm -hmm. we will definitely change this yeah (laughs) for sure do you have any um long-term goals for your podcast or how about like anybody that you really want to interview like a celebrity or something oh my gosh i have a list of people that i would love to interview i already reached out to them so i'm praying they reach back out (laughs) but um so i feel like layers of design so okay we started it started as a podcast but we're growing into more because I have a bunch of passions that I really want to use layers of design to explore. And one of them, like I had mentioned, is humanitarian architecture. Mm -hmm. So I'm really into humanitarian architecture, architecture for um, social change. And some of the people that I really want to interview is, first of all, there's this um, from Mass Group. I don't know if you've heard of Mass Group architecture. They are in Boston and they 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 design buildings for social justice. They design um, buildings, installations. They also, they've designed a project, like projects in Kenya, and they actually have a studio set up in Kenya where they hire citizens of in, from Kenya to 
you know, help and grow their community. And I think that's so beautiful. Like, I would love to interview one of, one of the principals from there. I would also really like to interview Kunle Adeyemi. He's the founder of NLE, and he's a Nigerian architect um, who is making a huge difference and is getting the recognition he deserves. And um, I would love to interview Francis Carey. <laughs> I have like a bunch of people, but pretty much um, architects that are making a difference, especially African architects that are making a difference in the world. Those are, those are some architects I really love to interview. That's a good list. Thank you. That is a really good list. I don't have a list like that. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who would you, what are you thinking of? <laughs> so, you know, I want to really get into the political part. So I want to talk to some mayors. I want to talk to some Congress folk. Those are the people I want to talk to because I feel that they're the ones that have the power to change the policy, have power to change the rules and regulations of this country. Like I feel that architects are limited, are extremely limited to what we can do. We can design the hell out of things, but to to we can't we can't prevent redlining, for example. You know, like it. Mm-hmm. So that type of things that I really want to, you know, do they understand what we do? Are we on committees with them? Like how, how can we work together to solve all these problems? And I feel that, you know, as I feel like my podcast is heavily architectured Mm -hmm. and I just want to get out of that, but I know so many architects (laughs) And then uh, when we talked earlier, it was like a comfortability, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know who I want to interview? I want to interview Lester Holt. I don't know Lester Holt. He is an NBC anchor for um, the nightly, is it the nightly news? I think it's the nightly news. He's oh. this black guy. that. Wow. So that's the guy. I, I've seen him on like a couple of interviews and stuff. So I really want to talk to him. Um, and then I was thinking, oh, okay, so. I, I also want to like be DC focused because I grew up in DC. So I would love to talk to like Dave Batista. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> he used to be a bouncer uh-huh. at this um, place over in Adams Morgan. And he grew up in DC. So I would love to talk to him. I hope whoever is listening just, you know, forwards this to just all forward the- this to Dave Batista. <laughs> I, was, I thought about Dave Chappelle, but well, yes, but. I, I wouldn't know what to ask him because he's private. Uh-huh. You know, and anything yeah, that he private. says blows up. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to no, that's too much. That's too, that's much. too much. I can handle Dave Batista. I can't handle Dave Chappelle. That's I mean, true. I mean, it'll be it'll be good PR, good press, you know, but no, like I can't I can't handle that. I know. I, I think I think you will skyrocket immediately. <laughs> yeah and so that's not like my intent right uh-huh, of course. I mean my intent is content and education mainly for me like I'm being selfish so it's it's you know talking to good people meeting good people and having good conversations and trying to solve problems like yes. you know that's that's the main thing and change lives that's the most important thing to me but um yeah, no, I can't talk to Dave Chappelle. I, I don't know what to say. How do you say something to a comedian? I don't know. I have, and to Dave Chappelle, I have no idea. I don't know what I would say either. So, yeah, that's that's my list. That's that's my list. Is try to get out of architects and mm-hmm. into more talking to people about architecture. 
you know, I think that's a very important thing to do because I don't think people know exactly what architects do. They don't know what we do. They just think we're overpriced. I feel Mm -hmm. like we're like, you know, a pair of Louboutins or something to people. They're like, oh, we don't need that. (laughs) Everybody needs a pair of Louis. I know, right? (laughs) But, but But when it comes to like saving money, you you won't go for a pair of Louboutins. I'll go for like some flats on Amazon, you know. Right. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, so I feel like I feel like we we're this expensive service that everybody feels like they don't need. Like, oh, we can design this ourselves. But no, we go to school for this. This profession is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're problem solvers and yeah. we, we know how to bring people together. We know how to get those ideas flowing and make it better. It's just not everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I really want to do. Do you want this to be like your business? Oh yeah. Oh, I already made it my business. Okay. Yeah. I turned it into a business and um, it's been a lot of work, but it's, it's good work. It's good work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Okay, so we're going to be doing podcasts. We're going to be doing design. So we're in a bunch of design competitions right now um, that are focused on what we were passionate about. So it's like social housing and humanitarian architecture. And then we're also going to be hosting events. We actually had an event last year, September, which was amazing. And it was this event where we brought architects, artists, designer just designers in general it was a networking event and then we had a panel a panelist and we had you know people share artists and architects share their experiences and their stories and then we talked about just different things going on in the community and it was really actually it was pretty cool because you know this one guy stood up and he was really speaking out and talking about what he's passionate about because the conversation became about developers and architects Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting in my chair like, okay, it was, I, I did this. <laughs> you know, like I started this conversation. <laughs> you made this happen. I know. So it was a night of like, you know, conversation, networking. And then I had um, artists display their work as well. So, you know, some people, but from the artists, which was really cool too. So just doing events like that, that bring together the design community, I really want to do that. And of course, volunteer, because I'm really passionate about volunteering in my community as well. So it's, Layers of Design is going to be doing a lot, but I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, I want to, I want to, I'm not thinking that far, far Mm -hmm. ahead. I do want to start doing some programming and I do want to start doing like a webinar or something or like events or you know that's 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 what I want to do I put an asterisk by by that because another part of this podcast is also I want to get into community design community like stuff with the community um housing affordable housing that type of thing just just even if I could just write a bill or something mm-hmm. like something that has an effect mm-hmm. on the built environment not just building a building or not just creating a temporary structure like a like some type of sculpture or something yeah. although I do want to do that too just to get that creativeness out of me 
But I, the whole reason why I got into architecture is so that the conditions of where I grew up in, I don't want any other child to grow up in that way. So that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I just don't know how to, how to, I just don't know. I, I know exactly what you mean. Because that's, that's kind of the way I feel too with humanitarian architecture. And the way I'm channeling that right now, like my lost, confused... Because the thing about humanitarian architecture is that a lot of people don't do it because there's no profit in it. Which, I'm not make, I'm, it's not like I'm doing it for the profit, but I, I still need to eat, right? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely... Like, I'm not going to be poor. Like, this yeah, thing is exactly. not... Like I'm not I don't want to do a nonprofit. That's the thing. Oh. I'm not doing oh. a nonprofit. This is for profit. Mm-hmm. I will pay my taxes. Like mm-hmm. you know, like I want that Louis Vuitton, you know? Like it's Yes. <laughs> it's it's not I mean, why can I not make money and help people at the same time? Exactly. That's my question too. Like why can't I do something so good and still make money from it? And so that's really my quest, I guess, to find a way to do humanitarian architecture and still be profitable, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I've been doing a lot of research, but honestly, it's really hard. So I'm kind of in search of mentors right now to kind of just share their experiences and things like that. And doing design competitions, uh, that's helping a lot as well because I'm able to kind of narrow down what exactly I want to do with it and to get out my design, like just, you know, just clear my brain, like, okay, fine. I've thought about this. Like, let's put it down on paper and to the next one. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing. But I honestly don't know where to start because I start thinking, okay, if I do want to build a school in Nigeria, all of the logistics that go into it, like I need to get the funding, I need to get this, I need to get the people and, you know, so that that is where I think a mentor will be really helpful. And this is where white privilege will come in, right? Like, I feel like they have the connections built in versus yes. we have to work hard at it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are poor. And so, and I'm, I'm the one that's building these connections. So I can't go and ask mom and dad or uncle or niece or whomever for these connections. Because I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. And then another thing too, you you did mention something. I realized that I may have to invent something totally new. Because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go to a, a place that I think it's awesome to come mm-hmm. to find out that they're either corrupt or they are broke. Because then it's like I don't want to learn from you. That's that's mm-hmm. my fear. That's and so I was like maybe. The, the stuck part isn't that I don't have confidence in doing it or that I, I'm, I, I, I lack the leap of faith. I have that. It's just I want to go about it the right way. You know, I want to come up with a solid plan. And, you know, I'll make mistakes. You know, I'll fall a thousand times. But at least I, I, I'm, I'm working towards my goal. So, so yeah, I mean, it's... It was great talking with you and hearing your story. Same here, same here.